I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. This is not okay. No matter where I walked, he followed me closely, staring at me, making faces. Back up, you creep. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet. States. No puppet. And it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's pretty clear. It's a Such a nasty trust one. Fund. Well, I have much better judgment than she does. There's no question about that. I also have a much better temperament than Uh, it just brings, stirs up so much shit <laughs> in all the things. Uh, that bonus. song is inspirational it's too, right? Super inspirational. Yeah. Bonus Thanks for content. that, Bill. Yes, yeah. Barstool Politics bonus coverage. Ooh. Special issue or special episode. Yeah. We still have uh, Dr. Suzanne Chad with, uh, with us, which is awesome. Where I'm three beers in now, sir. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for thanks. We appreciate you being here. I appreciate being here. Yay. So this special episode is to break down and, and uh, diagnose some of the major questions that grew out of Hillary Clinton's uh, book. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. What happened without a question mark? It's not like what happened. It's what happened? No, it's very what declarative. Happened. Hillary yeah. Rodham Clinton. Yeah. Question and answer. Yep. That's right. Oh. She does that, though. <laughs> where do we even begin with I don't, I don't know. Well, so can yeah. I just start by saying, I said yes. this to Bill this morning where I was like, okay, this is before I knew that he read most of the book at this point, it looks like. I said, I feel like we should put a disclaimer out there that we have not read the book. Correct. But then Bill was, he pulled out his bag. He's like, but wait, look what I have. <laughs> yes. So, and Bill he got it. Bill does his homework. I do, yes. I have lots of notes, and I usually read the books. (laughs) And he he did say he fell asleep reading it, however. Yes, yes. (laughs) But but he did make a point to say, which I think is important, is that we're not dissecting the content exclusively. It's not about how she wrote it or what she said, but it's more about the things we already knew that she would talk about and then kind of assessing that, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, and I will say, I mean, I read large chunks of it, and it was really, it was a a candid, uh, it was, it was a... It sounded as if it was her kind of walking through and in some ways working through these issues for herself, not necessarily for history. She says that, that this is for others to acknowledge. But I really felt like this was a candid, raw, intimate, at sometimes sort of darkly funny, uh, Nick, which, you know, I think you would have seen some humor in this. Darkly uh, funny? Yeah. There was like da- you. Like dark humor in this. Uh, <laughs> her being darkly funny. Yeah, there's certainly some parts of it that she feels victimized and it was it was an interesting book i normally do not read politicians books uh but i I found this uh surprisingly well done especially when she turns her attention to an issue Mm. not thinking about it in terms of her own involvement in the issue she's very good i mean she's she's brilliant that way uh it's a little bit more difficult to read when some of her own hubris sneaks in Mm. so which is that's her yeah exactly that's just who that's who she's been from the beginning yeah so I, I have not read, I've read parts of the book. I haven't read the whole thing and I've read a number of reviews and it, it seems like one of the, one of the issues with the, I, I don't know, it seems like this book could have been really useful as sort of a diagnosis of the problems of American democracy and sort of a path forward for the Democratic Party, or it could have been sort of this kind of self-analytical, like, you know, not necessarily pointing fingers, but I think some pointing fingers, but sort of a, you know, a kind of a postmortem on the election. Mm-hmm. Did you get the, if it seems to me in the reviews and the, and the interviews that I've heard with her, that it, it kind of blends the two in a way that might kind of undermine the effectiveness of either of those approaches. Yes. 
I don't. It, it reads historical in the sense that she's breaking down the election, and she's also talking about the role, you know, that James Comey played and the role that Russia played, as well as Bernie Sanders. I would say those are like the three big actors. Some of the media coverage has said that she's always pointing the finger at somebody else, and and she does point fingers. She also takes a fair amount of blame, right? right. I thought there was. It goes both ways. The yep. her taking blame is less interesting than when she's ripping <laughs> Comey a new one, right? <laughs> right. I mean, she, right? She basically comes out and says, "I would have been president right. if it wasn't for James Comey." Well, the data suggests that's actually true. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also yeah. just we could talk about this a little bit later. I mean, she goes after Bernie Sanders in a way that Ugh. you know it was a, an interesting critique of him, a, a full throated critique uh and russia too i mean those are the three the three actors that she said prevented her from becoming president Mm -hmm. so i i want to (laughs) talk i want to talk about bernie a fair amount and her critique of bernie but it, it feels like we should begin by talking about um uh the role of sex and sexism because that seems to be a big part of what she talks about in terms of media coverage voters all sorts of stuff so should we begin there i think that's a great spot yeah, yeah. and 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 all the men literally just looked at me <laughs> <laughs> i'm not joking listeners all the men literally looked at me Suzanne. well that no here here's what as as because a, you're the americanist here right oh that's of course why <laughs> right. no look i joke with the boys but they're very they they have me on because i'm smart not because i'm a woman but I'm both of those things. Yeah. Um, and as someone who studies gender and teaches gender, and I mean, all this makes sense. So um, there's, I find it hard to talk about the effects of, well, let me say this two ways. So there was both misogyny at play and sexism at play, right? So talking about the difference between the two. So what she does from, again, my understanding of how she writes about the book is she talks about both. There's Donald Trump as a misogynist man and the way he talks to her, the way he treats her, the way he was a creep behind her, the types, the, the, the types of attacks and words that he uses, which were not directed only at her, but that's just who he is. He's misogynistic. But what's more important and more insidious and more, more crucial to understand the consequences for American democracy is this institutional and structural sexism that precluded her for various reasons from being able to be as successful as she wanted to be. And I think to distinguish between sexism and misogyny is very important. And while, again, I haven't read it, my my take on how she writes about it is that both of those things are at play. And so while sexism is always at play, regardless of what level of office we're talking about, when, when a woman runs for office, we know the data suggests that negative ads or negative attacks hurt her more than a male counterpart. We know that it's harder for her to raise money and all the things that the research suggests. That you collapse that with a miso- an outwardly misogynistic candidate who then is not penalized at all for it and is in fact praised in some ways for it. And then you add on top of that that it's her. So there's something specific also about Hillary Clinton, her history, both as Arkansas First Lady and then all the way through her time as a more... Um, a focal point of American, national American politics, that it's hard to disentangle the three of those things. And then, and so I get frustrated when, when I hear people say, well, she didn't lose because she's a woman. Well, no, she didn't only lose mm-hmm. because she's a woman, but part of the reason she lost, yes, absolutely, is because she's a woman. She talked, just sort of to talk about terminology, she talks about, the. you're absolutely right, the difference between sexism and misogyny. And she says, you know, a note here on terminology. Others might have different views, but here's how I see the distinction between sexism and misogyny. When a husband tells a wife, I can't quote, I can't quite explain why I don't even like admitting this, but I don't want you to make more money than me. Mm-hmm. This is sexism. Uh, misogyny is something darker. It's rage. It's disgust. It's hatred, right? And I think that's where she applies that misogynistic element to Donald 
Donald Trump to say that he embraced that mm-hmm. as a way of helping his electoral prospects. And, so, and flips it, if I could just say quickly, Nick, mm-hmm. and then flips it. So I was uh, thinking about, you know, the gender card, the race card, right? We saw the race card in 08. We see the gender card in 12. And typically what happens is the person in power, the oppressor, accuses the oppressed of using the card. Mm-hmm. And that's not how that works because you have to have the power to use the card. Mm-hmm. And it flips it on the the quote, victim to say, well, you're using the card. And so her famous quote, right, from the election was, well, if I want equal pay and blah, 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 if that's the gender card, then deal me in. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds great, but that rhetoric doesn't resonate in the way where he could flip it around and say, well, you're talking about Alicia Machado and you're talking about the Access Hollywood tape and you're bringing up gender, you're playing the gender card. And it flips it around on the one that's actually a victim of some kind of oppression. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry, I just had to get that out. So... I, I guess the the at least for me the most blatant example of this was during the the debates yeah. and uh, you know we heard it in the rather hilarious intro. Thank you for putting that together, by the way, Bill. This is my new favorite thing. <laughs> a lot of pressure every week. Yes. Now. So when he's you know following her around and circling her like a shark and leering over her, do you think that had it not been her, had it been a male <laughs> candidate, or had it been another female candidate, he would he have taken those same steps? Being who he is, do you think he would have undertaken that same kind of strategy? Would he have... Uh, yeah, yeah, to, to build on that, if it would have been a different woman, would he have found a way to turn that woman into Hillary Clinton right. where he could demonize her in the mm-hmm. same way? Uh, this is a great question. Or is he just that much of a misogynist, uh, misogynistic piece of shit that he would do that to any woman? Yes. Regardless. It's, a, it's the dismissive nature mm-hmm. of misogyny. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Phil. You want to say something? No, I agree with you. I, th- I think that regardless of what... I, he Had it been a man on that... He, he didn't do that in, in the Republican primary. No, he did it to Marco, Cruz, right? Marco Rubio, right? Little, little Marco. Marco. Yeah, but yeah. No, I mean, he's dismissive. There's a, there, but to be dismissive like of someone and being an asshole is, is one thing, right? But the, there, there was a difference in the way that he dealt with or dismissed Marco Rubio That's and true. other people versus sure. the way that he dismissed and dealt with um, Hillary Clinton. And I think that, yes, had it been a, he would have been dismissive and an asshole to anyone he was running against. But I think that the 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 fact that it was a woman and I think it, had it been a different woman, had it been I mean, you see it, you see it in the way that he talks um, about, about I Emmanuel mean, uh, Macron's wife. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Or um why I've had too many beers. Elizabeth um, Warren, Warren. In, in Massachusetts, right? And talking about Pocahontas and like, I mean, it, or Megan, it's, Megan yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that he would have been, you know, dismissive and rude and whatever, regardless. But there is a special type of um, there's a there's something different about the way that he deals with women. Mm-hmm. You know, I was and, thinking about. Oh, go ahead, Phil. No, I mean, I you. I, I was going to say that I find, you know, I, I don't find all of her arguments that I've heard her make in um, interviews and whatnot all that persuasive. I find this one very persuasive. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't this one is not a difficult one for me to to accept and to buy uh, to buy into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Donald Trump makes it especially clear right like so these issues of sexism and whatnot play a role in politics it it would have been harder to point to them in some ways if it were Mitt Romney that she were running against right even though the issues still would have been there right so he's so blatant about it that it it helps her make this argument in a way that maybe people recognize in a way that they wouldn't uh, with a different 
candidate. Well, and I think that's what's so interesting. What you just said is so interesting because I'll, I'll have students say this and I've had others say, well, until I can see it and, and actually put my finger on it, I don't believe sexism plays a part. And the thing about sexism is you don't see sexism. It's in the institutions. It's in the structure. You see misogyny. You could actually put your finger on it and say that's what that looks like. So in one shot in this electoral cycle, we saw the misogyny and it hopefully what it did was sort of cue us into what's going on underneath all of it. Because yes, had she run against a man, well, in the primary she did obviously, but had she run against someone in the general that wasn't a raging outward misogynist, then it would be harder to say, oh, well, it was gender that was the thing. But it's easier to make that case. And I think with time, that will become more clear, right? So right now, it's so hard to think about Hillary Clinton. Everybody has their own perception of her, their, her own baggage. There's, even as I read the book, that was my thought. I find myself saying, would I feel the same way about this chapter if it was a different person? If, if it was a different woman? I, I, I said probably so, right? Mm-hmm. So, And mm-hmm. with time... History will the narrative that history writes is not going to be a good one. I think the the reality is that you're absolutely both of you are right that this is going to be an issue where we think sexism, gender, all of that was a major factor. It was um, along with James Comey, along with Russia, all these other things. We'll finally get a sense of how much each of them played in deciding the election. And the, the intersection of sexism and ageism was actually really fascinating right. to watch here, which is something that we hadn't seen before. And I don't want to get too off track, but just to sure. you know, there was there were no real ageist questions about Trump or Sanders but there were a lot of questions about whether she could do the job at her age and he's older than her right yes yeah 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 there he's... were there was a time magazine article written about the fact that she is postmenopausal means she is better equipped for the job if she w- rather than if she was premenopausal hmm. Well, I mean, you only have a certain amount of energy that you can use per day, and he's <laughs> in, stockpiled in his in a lifetime. This is, this is Trump's theory. He's because stockpiled her reproductive his. organs take so much of that energy right. that once they're not used it. anymore, it's right. like a V8. Nick, right. you, need to explain, you need to explain that comment because listeners may not know what you're saying. <laughs> so, Trump at one point was saying that the human body. When people asked him, I think it was why he didn't exercise. <laughs> yes, said that the human body only has so much energy in a lifetime that you can consume mm-hmm. and then i assume you would just die once <laughs> once you hit empty uh, i think tillerson <laughs> believes the same thing yes well, that's why he's napping so <laughs> that's why he stockpiles his energy Forever. he doesn't move a lot he yeah. you know doesn't he geez, he he knows he's he smart. knows he how much he has good brain. he has good a brain. gauge yeah. he has a good brain. he has a he has a fuel gauge so how do you um I, before we sort of shift gears on this I, one of my the one of the things I struggle with is how do you like pull out? So you were talking about like there were lots of factors in why she lost, but this was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt to me like during the election, there were a lot of people who boiled it down to this was the only factor, mm-hmm. right? That, that sexism was the reason she lost. How do you get, or how do you, I don't know. How do you, so my reaction, so I'm, I'm not a huge I'm not opposed to Hillary Clinton, but I, she's not my favorite person. Um, I'm sure that sex plays into that in some way, but I don't feel like it's the only thing, right? So I was accused because I wasn't crazy about Hillary Clinton's policies. I was accused of being a sexist, right? Mm-hmm. But so how, how do you do that? How do you emphasize the issue? I mean, this is the classic question, I guess. How do you emphasize the issue of sexism without sort of turning people off, right? So Elizabeth Warren, like I, if it were Elizabeth Warren, I would I would be fully on board, right? So it, it's it's not purely sexism, right? So, but how do you emphasize that and make, make it clear that sexism matters and makes a difference without making it the only 
factor? Because it's, is it, it's, it's easy to say, you know, oh, it's only because of this without getting deeper to your saying is that it's not just this, it's all of the things, right? And so how do we not boil it down to the one thing? And so as the academic, I'm like, well, let me show you the data. And yes, if we isolate this one question on this one survey, it suggests that there's an independent effect that people, you know, on the outcome of the election, all of that. But... You know, and the other academic part of me is saying, well, the one thing that drives electoral results always is party. And so Republican women voted for Donald Trump. They didn't go out and vote for Hillary Clinton because women are not monolithic and we don't all vote with our vagina. And that's a thing that actually is something people don't realize is a thing. Right. So it's hard to have these conversations. They don't realize that a vagina is a thing? (laughs) (laughs) That we don't vote with it. Okay, sorry. Yes, thank you for the clarifying point there, though. Um, And I think part of it, to get to your point, Phil, is that in some ways the same problem the feminist movement has had is the same thing we have when we talk about sexism, is that nobody wants to say that they're a feminist because of what it connotes. And so it's the same kind of thing where we where someone says, oh, it was sexism. It's like, oh, well, no, it can't be that. And what does sexism actually mean? And, oh, you can't say it's only that because that can't be the only explanation for it. And so once you start to talk about sexism, everybody turns off immediately. So you can't have the, the, the more engaging conversation that says, well, it's this, and it interacted with this, 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 and this. It's a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, the, the way the election played out, where you had Hillary running against Bernie in one way, and then you had Hillary running against Trump is really revealing, because mm-hmm. you couldn't have had a more clear dynamic than running against Trump, right? I mean, clearly a misogynist, clearly, you know, some. It, this is where all of these gendered feelings were able to just come out right in sort of a really ugly way yes uh and but the bernie contrast is another one right thinking about the way in which democrats struggled with this dynamic of both policy and what does it mean to be a democrat what does it mean to be a liberal Mm -hmm. there's there's some really interesting things i mean this will be a a significant case study over the years, yeah, that was a masterful segue, by the way. Is it into, into, into Bernie? No, you're yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> the only point I was going to make is that while what's interesting about what you just said is that yes, Bernie Sanders, uh, there's nothing misogynistic about him that we we see overtly, but he interrupted her consistently, and that is something that men do to women. I'm going to cut you off right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's going to do it? Who's going to interrupt me? And Continue. so even though he, he did it, he, he, even though he did it, he also wasn't calling her a nasty woman and right. creeping on her on the stage and sure. grabbing, talking about grabbing women's pussies and things in videos. Well, that, that's the thing with Trump. He was so in, in your face about it. He wasn't right. trying to hide it. It wasn't right. dog whistle anymore. It was right. like, I'm going to, the same dynamic with race. I mean, he's not somebody who sort of, hides in the bushes he's, right. he's out there right in your face and yeah. that's the difference between misogyny and sexism yeah in those two candidates right there mm-hmm. you know if we transition to bernie and talking about him i think this was so uh, clinton is very clear in the book to say that if it wasn't for james comey this election would have played out differently and so i think comey is the number one target bernie sanders might be number two mm-hmm. and especially in some of the interviews and she's really developed this in the interviews and clinton's on on every show i mean she is you know in clinton-esque way i mean she's everywhere and on all these media outlets she really goes after bernie suggesting he's not a democrat uh that what he did to the party was very uh dangerous in terms of pulling it out and he played a game that wasn't fair that she was trying to put numbers out there and be a reasonable politician and all he kept doing was exaggerating and whatever she would say he would say well i'll do it better uh do we feel this critique is fair right or is this sour grapes phil i mean i I feel this is something i know that's close to your heart sour grapes yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, so where um, again I, in listening to um, in, in, you and I, Bill talked about uh, the Pod Save America people did yes. a really interesting interview with Hillary. There, there are lots of interviews out there in which she talks about all these issues. So even if you can't read the book, you should go out and, or even if you don't read the book, you should go out and read these. Uh, you should listen to her some of these interviews. And and whereas the the sexism argument, I'm I'm totally sympathetic and I'm I'm persuaded by her. I I find the critique of Bernie less persuasive. Um, not that I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with her that he hurt her campaign. Um, the part that I find weird is that that's a criticism because it seems to me that that's politics, right? Like you people run against each other and I, Bernie is more progressive than her, right? I mean, that's he has a long you know a record of being more progressive. Um, so it's weird to blame him for that. For to me, that that comes across as strange. Um, and I, I don't really, you know, she she talked about in in some of the interviews she talks about how when she lost to Obama, she and her followers got behind Obama and fully supported him, and that Bernie and his supporters didn't do that. And and I like I so I find this weird because. Bernie can't con- he can tell his supporters things, but he can't control them. Right. And he he went out of his way to tell them to vote for Hillary and that, you know, she voting for Trump would be awful. And she's clearly the better candidate. And going back to 2008, like when Hillary lost the nomination to Obama, there were polls that showed 25 percent of her voters planned to vote for McCain. Right. So, I mean, this is a sort of a natural reaction. You get a heated contest. People take sides. And in my mind, it's sort of her job to win them over. Um, is that is that am I not being fair to her? I, it, it feels a little strange to to hear her blaming him because politics is about people with different ideas, putting them out on the playing field and competing. And 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 then you I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. Am I wrong there? I, no, I, I mean, at least from my perspective, I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I, I, I don't agree with just about anything that that Bernie was evincing but I I think especially with this particular election there was there was a noticeable schism in regardless of which ta- uh, which party you were talking about that was going unnoticed by a lot of candidates on both sides whether you're talking about Hillary or any of the other Republicans who were going up against Trump that it it, it was there was this popular movement that was being ignored and there were standard party politics that were being um, adhered to that was going to cause um, factionalization of the different parts of the party and was going to cause a separation of of voter preferences and uh, of voter behavior that I think, obviously we saw it with the Republicans and then we definitely saw it um, with Hillary and Bernie. And I, I think despite all of her experience and, and good intentions and, 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 you know, her, her ability to be this, this figure that could have been a, a really transformative, powerful figure for the democratic party. I think she just missed a lot of cues that she could have paid attention to. And I don't necessarily think it was intentional. I, I, she just didn't run a fantastic campaign when when those blatant cues were out there. Right. I think this so, is a, this is a more than a fair point, especially when you think about the 
the campaign in 08, which was a battle over over ideas, and she lost that one. So, and Bernie came, and Bernie pushed her in a different way from the far left, and I don't think she was anticipating that. But this is this is politics, right? The it's not the Democrats aren't a set thing. They can be many different things. The party right. can can flow in one direction or the other and bernie was successful in pushing the party in that way Mm -hmm. and she was less flexible in adjusting to the way in which that that electorate was moving Mm -hmm. what's so so interesting about it is that she in some ways is a very astute politician and in other ways she completely misses the mark because one of the things that we know if you look back at her history particularly as first lady is that when she headed up the health care initiative which of course there was a lot of, of of backlash for that she is she couldn't understand why everyone didn't agree with her. She came in with the PowerPoint and the plans and the documents and all of the numbers and presented it, and she was very rigid, and she would not maneuver to get people on board, and it didn't pass. Mm-hmm. Very similarly now, where she, in this past election, where she didn't read correctly how she should have engaged the electorate. She saw, if I come in with exactly how to fix it, Mm-hmm. But I skip the part where I say, I get why it's hard for you, which is what Bernie was doing and to some extent what Trump was doing. If she could have merged that like, I get you, I feel you with, and let me give you the specific details on how to fix it. Which mm-hmm. her, which Bill did. Bill which Clinton did. Which he did better yeah, than anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She missed that. And so in that way, she's not an astute politician. That rigidity has been one of her downfalls from the very beginning. And one would think that she could fix that. But she just believes, this goes back to her days when she was in college, if I give them the best ideas, they will get on board with me. Right. And it hasn't worked for her. She's great at policy, less good at politics. Absolutely. So, so Suzanne, I mean, my question, I, I guess my question for you as an American politics person, was this different? So in my mind, when I look back, I think about, you know, what you have in primaries are, is that they are divisive and they create factions and they create rifts and you know one of them eventually wins. And part of the challenge is getting the losers on board, mm-hmm. um, which is what happened this time. But in my mind, that happens all, all the you know, every time there is a primary election. Mm-hmm. Was this one different? Like what is does she have some level of complaint or, or does it look like other primary divisions and fights and she's was less effective at getting people on board so it's such a good question because i remember teaching about the 08 election or the the 08 primary i guess and telling students you know the literature suggests that when there's a divisive primary that goes right down to the last minute this is going to really impact that party's chances of winning the general election and you know 99 percent of the time that candidate from that party with that divisive primary is going to lose because the longer the primary and the more divisive, the more ammunition is thrown out, the more um, then the other side is building up the war chest and waiting for the general election. And so all these things suggest that it's going to be bad. Then away it happens and the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. So we have this outlier where it's a really contentious primary. It goes right down to June and Obama wins the general election. Now we've reverted back to the pattern, which is in a divisive, mm-hmm. long primary, that candidate suffers electorally. So we're back in the pattern if you look at it just that way. I can't say there weren't other things that mattered, but in some ways this takes us back to what we should have expected. Yeah. 
is the 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 tremendous length of our election process part of that? Like, if oh, yes. I mean, we drag yeah. it out so long, if yes. we did this quicker, would we would would that be alleviated in some way? Do you think? Absolutely. It, it, the data like would seem to suggest if you look at the European democracies, which have condensed this, mm-hmm. you you see a far higher rate of women getting to positions of power. I, I, yeah. I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah. And Hillary talks about that, at least in one of the interviews. She said that the structure, and it's an institutionalist, I love this, mm-hmm. the structure of American politics and of our system precludes women from being, from ascending in the way that parliamentary systems do. Yeah. The other thing that struck me as I was reading the book and listening to her inter- do the interviews, and she d- doesn't just talk about the election, she also weighs in on some of the pressing issues of our time, is, and it's not just with her, but I think about Hillary and George W. Bush has been doing interviews. He's out there. Of course, Obama's been doing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the contrast between those ex-presidents and our current president is so striking. In a nonpartisan way, like I, I, I find George W. Bush cuddly, right? <laughs> you know, I, amazing I, how that happens. It is yeah. right, yeah. And, and also Obama. You know, I, to think, and I think about this, like Obama. Well, I, I voted for him and I supported him. He, did, he, he messed a lot of things up. But mm-hmm. I look back on that era and I think, man, wasn't that fantastic. I even look back at George W. Bush and the way in which he engaged the public and think that was better. You would uh, never thought. No, never would have thought eight that. Eight years ago, you would ever have said that. Right. And when you listen to Hillary Clinton uh, write, you know, in her book and then do these interviews, you say somebody who's a master of details, as you know, to fill policy. And you think, goodness gracious. I mean, to, to Nick's like wonderful analogy of the prison, right? I mean, I just think that we've lost perspective on things. And it's going to take time to for us to really to, to, to get a sense of how screwed up things are. Yes. Um, I don't know. That's a tangent. But, it, I, again, I, I was reminded as I heard her and read the book mm-hmm. or parts of the book. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, we had talked about uh, – I don't necessarily – I'm going to – I'm sort of shifting topics a little bit. Because one, yeah. one of the other things we talked about talking – are addressing and that she talks about is the role of the media mm-hmm. um, in in her loss and kind of the point you're making to some extent and what we've talked about with Hillary is being better at policy and less good at politics like in an ideal world we would be electing people who are great at policy yes and politics would be secondary but have we and this this can kind of lead to a discussion about the role of the media have we entered a world where politics is more important than policy right where or personality yes. matters more than anything else in electing our leaders. I think we've been there for the better part of 30 years. <laughs> well, and part yeah. of it is that we're a candidate-centered system, right? I mean, speaking to a, a European scholar here, right, it's that we party, even though party means a lot here, it means a lot less here than it does in parliamentary systems, and particularly in PR systems. And so you have to build a rapport, and you have to build trust, and you have to be likable. And if you don't have any of those things, we're not regardless of party affiliation, but it it still matters, even with party affiliation. Those things matter. But we've never had a candidate. We've had candidates who've been good at the politics side. George Bush is a great example of yes. a, pol- a politics strong policy. George weak D- oh, George person. W. Bush. Yeah, yes. yeah. But but even George W. Bush was politics strong, policy weak. We've never had somebody politics media strong, po- you know, policy like nothing, None. like zero, right? Like I mean, that's, that's the distinction. Maybe negative. Right? Where everything, right? <laughs> Where everything is media, and to circle back to what we talked about in the earlier podcast earlier this week, it really is all about political fights, 
media. That's what Trump is doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not at all about policy. It doesn't matter. For Trump, it doesn't matter what gets done. I think for Hillary, it really would have mattered what yes. would have gotten done. Now, maybe nothing would have been done because she was coming into a Congress that was going to fight her for every little inch. Mm-hmm. But she would have focused on policy. Well, she, mm-hmm. no, and, no. and that was one of her complaints, right? That was one of her, her beefs with Bernie is that she accused him of basically promising things that weren't feasible. Which is true, right? by the way. Yeah. We could debate that. <laughs> <laughs> we could. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that's where possibly her emphasis on policy, right, gets in the way of mm-hmm. politics. If she embraced the Trump model of just tell them whatever the hell they want to hear, um, she she could she could win. But I, I, to what extent has you were saying that Trump is like it's all about the politics, not about the policy. But we've gone so far down that road that it has become policy. Right. Yes. So his politics and his popularity and like the things that he latched, that becomes his policy. Right. The wall and the and the Muslim. But I don't think that he actually gives a damn about any of that. It's just mm-hmm. about the the sort of the politics and the popularity mm-hmm. contest of it it gets to this deeper question of what kind of democracy do we have yes. right and and I think this is a, an important question not a nonpartisan question whether it's Democrat or Republican but are we going to elect candidates who yes. can really pursue a, an agenda that is good for the American people mm-hmm. or one that will appeal to a partisan base and and get B. you elected yeah B is the answer yeah I know it, it's really I, I worry about our democracy right now because. Trump just seized on an opportunity that was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't as if, you know, he broke everything. We we handed him this opportunity and he grabbed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, do you think there's a chance for a rational backlash? So uh, imagine a few years from now and the presidential election comes around. Donald Trump is Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton runs again. But wait. She's not Hillary Clinton. Like, I was going to say, wait, what? So Hillary Clinton puts on a disguise and pretends to be, you know, some other person. Does that, she run as a white man? So, so basically, <laughs> it's yeah, Joe Biden, yeah, right? So, so Hillary Clinton, like the embodiment of, you know, like policy knowledge and all of this other stuff. She just doesn't have the, the the baggage of Hillary Clinton, right? She's running. Do you do you think that is there a chance that the American people sort of react to Trump in a way in which they kind of come back around to? I want I want to hear Phoenix. Nick's Nick's reaction on this because Phil, when you posed that no. question, Nick was so thoughtful, right? Like you you poked Nick in a good way. Like Nick was like, I'm gonna think about that one. <laughs> what, what do you think, Nick? I I go back and forth on this, and like I, I was gonna make, uh, I was saving this for the Russia discussion, and the difference between the perception of the American population between the left and the right, and my perception at least coming from a more republican conservative background is that people are relatively rational actors who think individualistically and you know can take care of themselves in some way without a lot of interference from an overarching governmental system where people who are maybe a little bit more conservative than me think that uh, um the left is trying to take away that individualism and, you know, you are subservient to the state and all of that nonsense, which is debatable. Um, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> I got lost, too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Would, um, Phil. No, it's... Uh, oh, uh, would Phil's point. Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton yeah, would, win? Would, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we we'll swing the pendulum yeah. and swing back. Does rationality win out? I don't think rationality ever wins oh. out, man. It's it's hard. Like it's real hard. It would 
yeah, like we we talk about it every week how the rhetoric just ratchets up again and again and again and i have yet to see an example of it going back just any amount of 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 i, I think it, i think it will and i agree with you about the that. only the only reason I, I think of a historical example like the red scare at some, I mean, that was more, I don't know if it was more insane. It was along the lines of the insanity that we're experiencing right now. And there was a point where the American public said, that's it. That's enough, right? Mm-hmm. Have you no shame? We've gone too far. And I do think there will be some point where the American, the democracy will push back at Trump or whoever is in power and mm-hmm. say, have you no shame? We've gone too far. And, and we're not there yet, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I would have thought that everything we've done for weeks and weeks and weeks would have brought us to that no shame point. I'm hoping that at some point we hit that. Well, it's I, cyclical. I'm sorry. No, no, please go ahead. I was going to say, so we talk about this in American politics, something that political scientist Jim Stimson calls mood, right? So some my colleague, I know Nick, I taught this at some point, taught him this, but that the pendulum does swing and that there's this sort of cycles of the mood of, a, of the American citizens that they want to go more conservative or more liberal. And typically this... Help us understand why, if there's a president in office for eight years of one party, we almost always go to a president mm. of another party. And I think with this particular last eight years of a perceived very progressive president that included people in a franchise that were not included before, we swung back very, very far the other direction. And depending whether we're four or eight years, it is going to swing back. Now, mm. how far it swings back, we're never really sure. That's kind but of my m- thing. Mood yeah. tells us that that will eventually happen. I, I think that's a, a fair point. I think that, and again, something that we've talked about over and over again on this podcast is the influence of the media and the pervasiveness of, you know, people like Alex Jones and and um, uh, other members of the, you know, quote-unquote media from that same ilk. And I they've become extraordinarily effective at factionalizing the the population whether you're talking about into democrat and republican conservative and liberal and then now it's gotten to the point where even those things don't necessarily apply anymore it's scary to think that we couldn't come back that there's a mm-hmm. point where you say you know we've got everybody so far, right yeah. everybody has an outlet that they can now ascribe to that puts them in opposition to yeah. everyone else right and i i i hope that that's the case but I, I think that the other possibility is I, I do agree with the argument of the pendulum and, and swinging back from one side to another. I think we're seeing something based off of the media coverage and the the general mood of the American population of it's gotten so toxic that we want to go as far. We're getting farther and farther apart every time that we swing that pendulum. That's and right. I don't know if you can just constantly do that or if it breaks at some point. So I, I don't know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a deep question about democracy as a whole. Yeah. This is depressing. Do, no, no. <laughs> Phil, Phil, make us happier. No, I can't do that. <laughs> do we, so do, do we, so I mean, we had begun talking a little bit about the media and she talks about the media and, you know, all of this kind of ties into media coverage and changing media technology with, with you know, Facebook and social media. I said media like 17 times. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> Um, do you think we do we learn any lessons from I mean, I, I think part of her goal in writing this book is to sort of, you know, to learn or in the hopes that we learn some lessons moving forward. Do I mean, do we do? I mean, this is kind of tied to what we we're talking about. Do we learn lessons? Does the media learn lessons about how to cover things? Do we no. as media consumers learn lessons about, you know, 
fake news all of this stuff. Well, so, so both Suzanne and Nick were like, no, 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 well, no. Well, the media <laughs> learned their lesson. I, 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 would, I would push back a little bit on that. I think the media learned a lot from Trump. And they, they initially bought into it and was giving, were giving him airtime ad nauseum. I, I think the media maybe learned a little bit something. I think to, the, to your bigger question, short term, no. I, don't think, I, I think that to Nick's point, we're so fractionalized, uh, tribalized, whatever term we want to use. Long term, and I don't know what that long term is, 10 years or 50 years from now, I think we realize the way in which uh, we realize what played out in this election, and it's not going to be a pretty picture. What's that? After after the war, it right, was right, right, right. <laughs> no, it, 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 uh, yes, well, I maybe. Mean, this is the thing. Like, I didn't read the book. All, all, what I know of the book came from either you guys or the media, which was and, extensive, right? Yeah. Right, very extensive. But but it wasn't. It's the same three points over no, and over again. True. And realistically, if you're even if you're talking, you know, quote unquote liberal media outlets they don't have a lot of good things to say about it it's divisive for the democratic party and this isn't the thing that we re- uh, that we need right now and she just needs to go away realistically there are probably some really good salient points in that book that no one is ever ever going to hear because they're not going to read the book because the media painted a bad picture of it mm-hmm. and the media is so pervasive now that uh, the majority of people are probably never going to question that so that's that's what worries me. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I don't know. this is her candidacy. This election put the American democracy on trial, and it revealed a lot about where the country's at. And mm-hmm. it wasn't always pretty. Mm-hmm. No, Mm-mm. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Well, this was this was fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, so um, <laughs> no, but I, 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 I thought it was good. It was you know it's, yeah. it's important to dive into these issues, yeah. and I, I there was the, some of the, to your point, Nick. Some of the critiques have suggested that she was bitter in writing this book and what in the tone that she takes in this book. But I understand some of that, and I think some of it is justified. Sure, right? absolutely. There were forces that were striking against her that she gets but the rest of the Ameri- some of the american public don't understand and that mm. that that would be very frustrating and yeah. i i i would just say the frustrating part about that is that some of what the coverage has been is that she is playing the victim yes mm-hmm. because anyone who's a loser and a sore loser and writes a book about being a sore loser is playing a victim and blaming 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 and even those who maybe voted for her but didn't really want to necessarily are tired of hearing her be the victim and I think that's frustrating because all she's trying to do is point out these forces at play that you just described and those are important forces for those of us that teach American politics for those of us that are American citizens to talk about without collapsing it into she's just fucking bitter because she lost the election Mm -hmm. and you miss the point of what she's trying to do and what we should be talking about I would be bitter (laughs) she's in a can't win situation here right because Uh, you know, sometimes be playing the victim is appropriate if you've been victimized, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, and so, that's a great point. So, you know, like she, she can't she can't win, right? But if she says nothing about it, she she doesn't win. If she speaks up, she is accused of you know, yeah, she she can't win. Yeah, I I, she, I feel deeply for her on if that. She didn't front. write the book. People would be like. Why didn't she? Where is she? Why isn't she telling us what happened? There are supporters that were waiting for her to make them feel better about what happened. Mm -hmm. And then she writes the book and it's like, well, why don't you just go quietly into the good night and like do your thing? Why are you still around? It's so interesting that 
Donald Trump, of all the people who you would have thought would have jumped on the critique of this book, hasn't really said much of anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know why, because he was her... Because he doesn't read. <laughs> he may not know the book exists. That's right. Wait, she wrote a book? Damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he well, won that fight. He doesn't need to pick it anymore. That's, that's, mm. a, good, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Suzanne, for joining us once again. This thank is, you this for having wonderful. me. I yeah. appreciate it a lot. Um, any final thoughts, guys? No? I just want to thank you for taking up this topic. This was fun. Oh, yeah. It's really this was important. A lot of fun. And Absolutely. thanks for letting me Great. be part of it. It was definitely good. And, and yeah, I, I, um, it's special content. We'll probably do more of these things going forward. Um, we felt like this was a good one to start with. Um, if you like what we do, um, follow us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, uh, Barstool Politics on Untapped for our beers, um, questions, comments. I don't really care about concerns. You can keep those Re- to yourselves. Review us on iTunes. Review us on iTunes. I, that's the one I always forget. Yeah. Damn, five that, stars. That's everyone. the most important one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Barstool politics. Mm. At boli- uh, wow. Politics at uh, <laughs> yahoo.com um, for all those other things I just listed. Um, thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate Thank it. You. Cheers. Cheers, guys.